Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full-spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. My name is Bill, and I'm joined here today with Connor and Steve. Yo. Yo. Today is July 22nd, 2019, if you're listening to this on the day it came out. Um, recap of last week, we talked about front women in rock, and actually in all music in general, because we feel like... Sometimes the women of music have been underlooked for a long time. Um, we also reviewed the movie Amy. And if you haven't watched it again, you should probably take a look. Definitely. Give it a watch. It was a pretty decent movie. Um, Connor, have you came across anything new or interesting this past week? Well, I I was on Stranger Things 3. Yeah. Yeah, the music in that's pretty good. It was I was... They do a good job with the oh, uh, yeah the, the, the whole eighties vibe that yeah. they really set. Like you feel like you're watching a show from that time, especially if you're familiar with like movies and TV during that time. Like you get to really, it's obviously way more polished in production, but the the vibes that whole show. When, brings, when she go when Winona Ryder goes over to the science teacher's house, and oh yeah, my Bologna. yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> <laughs> like goofy rendition of that song. Um, Weird Al, Weird you Al. haven't finished it yet. It's oh, like yeah. one of Weird Al's first songs. Yeah, but I'm yeah. saying like it's just obvious because it still sets the tone like exactly like what that time was and you know because when I first heard it, I'm thinking like, oh, that's weird. They're playing the knack. Yeah, because that's then you a really little hear older it, like... <laughs> than they, like the sh- this season's like 85 or 86 or whatever. 83, I think they base it in. Yeah, it's 83 because it's a year after season two. Yep. Yeah. I thought season two was eighty four. No, what? No, no, it was eighty four because um, because they were dressed up as Ghostbusters. Yeah, and there was the so Reagan 84, Bush. 85? Yeah. yeah, it's eighty five then. Yeah, yeah, and Back to the Future was in the theater. Yes. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I thought that was weird. It was like that was an older song a bit, but then I realized it was Weird Al, and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot <laughs> about this song. <laughs> So people tend to forget like Weird Al had some pretty good songs. Yeah. I mean, they were all parodies. And they're all meant to be funny, but they're most of them are pretty fucking good. Yeah, and another he stayed relevant too, even through yeah, what, like when we were coming up. Yeah, dude. Um, you didn't finish it yet, Connor, right? No, I've I made I'm five episodes deep. To not give any complete spoilers away, the only thing I will say is just make sure you sit through the credits. Yeah. There is a post credit scene and it's very Yeah, but I got not... I got spoiled on Facebook. I'm scrolling through oh, my you timeline are... and someone told me how or I saw Hopper dies. I'm like, You you asshole. Well, yeah. here's the way I I don't see know it. how he dies, but Here, I know he dies. Just watch the post credit scene. Especially for someone that enjoys the conspiracy aspect of it. You get to yeah. see an obvious like he probably won't be dead. 
Trust me, you get this. Like, there's a small oh, okay. portion there's in a the chance he's not dead. Yes, okay. yes. There, the, the and the post credit scene super important to understand. Like, there is definitely going to be another season. I Hopper mean, has been pissing me off this whole season. Though, I love him. He's been pissing me off. He's way too controlling of Eleven. He's fucking... although Mike was acting like a little douchebag, whispering yeah. in Eleven's ear. But you have to understand if you understand that would have been a big problem for me as well. But he's also the whole season <laughs> he's treating her like the daughter figure and all the things she yeah, goes not, through. He's yeah. he's hard to like understand. There's a difference between her. and as like an actual younger girl as opposed to like what she really is with yeah, the power she exhibits. A super weapon. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's the real thing about it is like he's, you know, wanting to raise her. And I mean, you think about all the seasons Wait, leading up to this. Eleven doesn't kill Hopper, does she? No. Okay. No. No, 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 no. Definitely not. Um, that would be, be a change of events. <laughs> yeah, that would definitely be a change of events. Um, but yeah, definitely sit for the post credit scene. It's really funny that you say with like the spoilers thing too, because people get so upset when they see something on Facebook. Look, the way Netflix is today, man. I mean, remember back in the day where you would sit there and like like watch, uh, you know, for instance, if The Sopranos was on, and you're watching every Sunday at nine o'clock, new episode. The way that episode ends, you're like, oh, I can't wait. But you mm-hmm. have to wait until Sunday. Yep. It was funny because my stepmother was like blown away because she still hadn't grasped the idea that when Netflix releases a show, every episode's up for the taking at that exact moment. I mean, there's people literally that watch that midnight on the 4th of July and just burn through it. I watched it all in one day. I didn't start at midnight, but I watched it all in one day. Mm -hmm. And then that's the thing. I mean, it's not like people going to the theater to go see, you know, like Avengers. Like everybody was holding off on spoilers for quite some time because it's a little different. Because the only way you're seeing that is fire sticking or anything like that. But if a couple weeks goes by, I mean, now being obviously the 22nd, if you haven't seen it yet, sorry, just don't go on Facebook. Just don't go on Instagram. Sorry. I mean, yeah, exactly. just, that's spoilers. That's what's going to happen, dude. I mean, I'm not, a, I don't really care that much. You no, know, I see some people get like yeah. violent. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. So get crazy it's, about spoilers it's a TV show, dude. That's actually what I wanted to give out for my newer interesting this week. I actually watched the, the whole season. Yeah, it's great. Um, if you haven't gotten into Stranger Things... Feel free to things, spoil any music that's coming up. <laughs> if you haven't gotten into Stranger Things, you're missing out. All three seasons are very all, good. All three seasons are amazing. And I mean, the first one will hook you. That's the thing about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's kind of how it was for me. I watched the first episode, and I was like, or I was like, you know what? I'll just watch the first episode tonight, whatever. Hooked instantly. Yep. And then... Within the second day, the first season was done, and then I had to wait for the second season. And then now we have to wait like two years for this one. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be two years. That's also well, like no, the... no, no, two years for from season two to season three. Yeah. Uh, oh, it was two years. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it was October. It was 20... Like a year and a half. Yeah, it was like a year and a 2017. half. Yeah. Yep. Did so, they I mean, say how long the next one's gonna take? No, they they, they haven't even like a hundred percent like stated the idea of it, but the writers already came out and said there's definitely gonna be a season four, potentially a season five. And especially like I said, the post credit scene is mm-hmm. gonna be a season four. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. Yeah. There has um, to be. They couldn't leave it like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's super soon after it came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, that's the funny thing. I like the way Stranger Things is too, the way the episode ends and then the very next episode is literally like it's following into each other. Like there's yeah. never like that episode that premieres and it's like, you know, a different day and like things are going on and then they have to go back and like explain. Like it literally picks up right where that last episode ended. Yeah. Like, I think it's really like, cool. Like um, what season or season That's what two. makes it so hard to turn the hell off. Exactly. Because yeah. it's really, yeah. at the, and especially with, you know, the episodes themselves, every episode, because they're short, 
seasons. I think what was this season? Eight. Eight, and I think last season was also eight. Yeah, I think they're all. I eight. mean, they're all very short seasons. Put I think it this one way: was when nine. you go to finish, when, when you go to start uh, episode six, plan out to be there for three hours. Yeah, it's those last three episodes are insane. Very much. So. Yeah, I mean, last night I wanted to keep watching, but mm-hmm. it was it was it was late. And yeah. fucking, you know, I went to bed late as hell. <laughs> I'm gonna put it this way: and, Netflix. Uh, um, if you have a Netflix account and you're not watching Stranger Things, you're not getting your money's worth. I had the best thing they've produced. I had to literally stop myself and put on forensic files to fall asleep because <laughs> I was like, if I watch another episode, I'm just gonna keep watching it, and I'm not gonna fall asleep. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Way to subtly just shit on forensic files. If you want to go to bed, no, but, I will, no I'm just saying it's funny. That's what I use like, forensic that's what files for. <laughs> I put on forensic files to fall asleep. Bill Hader does the same thing, apparently. That's so great. That's so great. I've done my research. What did you find this past week that's new or interesting, Steve? So also, I did... What do you go to sleep watching? What do I go to sleep watching? Um, Anything? You sleep with the TV on? No, I sleep with music on, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a music (laughs) fall asleeper. Because if I, I get stuck watching, especially like late night Chappelle show, and then I like mm-hmm. seen the oh episodes every single one, but I have to watch every Uncensored single one. Uncensored Chappelle show. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> excellent. Um, but newer, interesting. I mean, also I did finish Stranger Things. I mean, but to get aside from that, music wise, um, two shows, uh, especially in our area, being in the Jersey area. But Slayer announced the final leg of their tour. A lot of main dates. Um, they are playing Madison Square Garden, I believe, November 9th. Um, and again, this is apparently the final leg of their quote unquote final tour. This is apparently it for Slayer. No more new music, no more touring. So yeah, they're playing Madison Square Garden November 9th. Also one of my favorite bands, the Misfits, um, still continuing on with the original lineup tours with, uh, Dave Lombardo on drums. Also ironically from Slayer as well. Um, they're also continuing on playing shows. Um, saw them back in 2017. I thought it was going to kind of be like a short lived thing, but October 19th, the Misfits, of all people, are actually playing Madison Square Garden, which is a huge venue for that band. And it's mm-hmm. awesome because when I saw them at the PNC Arts Center, which is where the New Jersey Devils play, they sold out that entire place, which was crazy. Um, so to see them playing Madison Square Garden, especially for the theme of being their Halloween-type bash, October 19th, it's like that's an exciting opportunity. Problem is, is, tickets are super fucking expensive for the Misfits, which bothers me. I mean, I just spent two fifty on pit tickets, and I'm not gonna go sit in the stands, honestly, to see the Misfits. But Jerry Doyle, Danzig, or Dave, if you guys are listening, we would like to go see this show. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, diehard. I got I me. Mean, I got a Danzig tat across my chest, so I'm a little hit, you know, more so towards Danzig than any of the three that were just named, including Dave being the fourth. But hey, uh, Glenn, if you're out there, um. Free tickets, bud. We'd like them. Just saying. Well, you'll be the new Metallica. You can make this happen, Glenn. <laughs> we'll fucking talk yeah, about we'll be, you yeah, every we'll, week. And you know, it's just funny because I'm sure a lot of people always thought they were never going to make it big. But one day, man, hey, you know, you're probably going to wish you had an opportunity to get tickets to those three guys from Jersey that all of a sudden are sitting on like late night shows and being able to discuss the uh, idea of a music podcast. It's Who never a possibility. Knows? We don't need front row, brother. Yep. We'll take anything, anything we can get. Yep. Like, listen, you know, Glenn, I mean, when you were in Lodi, did you ever think at one point that you'd be selling out Madison Square Garden in 2019? I don't think so. <laughs> did you ever think your merchandise was going to be hailed as one of the most iconic skulls ever coming out of Hot Topic? I definitely don't think so. Definitely not. So, again, free tickets were open. On this day in music history. 
1967, the Vanilla Fudge rock cover of You Keep Me Hanging On peaks at number 67 in America as the band plays their first concert, supporting the birds at the Village Theater. Later, the Fillmore East in New York City. You a Vanilla Fudge fan, Steve? Yeah. Yeah. I like that album, but it didn't wow me. I was going to say, Vanilla Fudge is never one of those bands. They kind of like get classified in there as like, you know, like uh, Moby Grape. Or like thirteen yeah. floor elevators. Uh-huh. They're like one of those bands mm-hmm. that are like part of that scene. But I they prefer were thirteen never, floor. Elevators. Of course, so do I, yeah. dude. Um, especially the self title. Yeah. Oh yeah, but they're one of those bands that I'll listen to them, but I'm not going out of my way. They're not iconic to the point of even like being the birds, for instance. Yeah, I got the LP for like a dollar somewhere years ago, and I remember being like excited to listen to it, thinking I just got like a score, and then I listened to it, and I was like, eh, yeah, I can see why. It's all right. It had a bunch <laughs> yeah, of covers yeah. on it. And it's good. Yeah, it's, it's worth a listen, but I'm not. Yeah, I wouldn't. It, yeah, uh, it's it was probably a lot cooler at the time because there probably wasn't too many people doing what they were doing. Yeah. But down the road, hearing everything we've heard, it's yeah. But uh, 1969, Elvis Presley's NBC TV special soundtrack, aka the '68 Comeback Special, is certified gold. Ooh. Good for him. We got any big Elvis fans in the house? Or? I'm a pretty big Elvis yeah. fan. Yeah. Um. And it, I, I loved Elvis when I was a little kid, but eh. yeah, that's yeah, I think that's what it now. was. I think it's um my uh, grandfather. We didn't call him grandfather. I didn't know who the fuck he was as a kid. We called him Den Den. That was weird. It was my mom's dad. Den Den. Um, yeah, we called him, his name was Dennis. We called him Den Den. It was really fucking weird. Either way, um, he had this Elvis clock, and it was like his hip shaking. Oh, that's <laughs> you know what I mean? And like I remember seeing that clock and always being like a kid interested, and then I figured out it was Elvis. Um. But Elvis is one of those artists, like a lot of his music I like and enjoy, but I, there's not many full lengths or full albums that I could listen to front to back. He's one of those, you know, certain hit machine type people where there's songs I enjoy, but not all of it. He's one of those like greatest hits ones where you can listen yeah, to like a compilation type artist. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway... 1971, The Doors, L.A. Woman, his album is certified gold. Bill's favorite band. It's it's probably uh, a lot more than gold now. You know, it's funny. Deep in the archives of our recordings, there was a point in time where Bill said he would spend twenty dollars on McDoubles at McDonald's as opposed to spending twenty dollars on seeing the no, Doors. No, 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 it was eighty. Eighty dollars. You excuse me, eighty McDoubles instead of seeing. But you still probably spend twenty McDoubles instead of seeing the Doors. Yeah, <laughs> two, absolutely. T- two million copies sold now. Yeah, yeah. It's a great album. Oh, yeah. It's not even their best. No, no. It's probably like their third best or yeah. something. Like Strange Days will always be my favorite. I mean, but their self title is it's yeah. For any the first two are staple better. of sixties rock music, that is like essential in a sixties category. But I'd probably take LA Woman over everything in between LA Woman and Strange Honestly, Days. Honestly though, no, actually Waiting for the Sun. You like that great better? album, dude. You yeah, like there's that a better lot than LA Woman though? I yeah, it's it's tough. It's two different sounds to be honest with you. Yeah, of course. I like L.A. Woman better than Morrison Hotel and also Soft Parade, but... Waiting for the Sun. Yeah, Waiting for the Sun is difficult because it has 5 to 1 on it. Unknown Soldier has Love Street. It's fucking you Spanish ever hear Soundgarden's cover of Waiting for the Sun? I know it's not Waiting on. for the Sun. You know the way... Yeah, it's on Morrison Hotel. Yeah. Is it good? Yeah, I, like I really it. like that song too. Yeah, it's a great song. Soundgarden covered it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, L.A. Woman. I remember I was like reading reception about it. they like were considering this almost like elevator music. I think certain like like a lot of critics hated this album when it first came out. Um, but there are so many songs on it. Like any time you hear a door song, typically it's like break on through. Yep. The end. 
or Riders on the Storm. Yeah. Those are like LA the, Woman. Well, LA Woman too. Yeah. Um, but Riders on the Storm, that song is probably their most used song in any commercial sense. Light my fire. Like my, my fire, fire too, but you figure like any slow, sad build-up moment. Yeah, it's a big one. People are I'm strange. talking about like you being used in like movies and stuff. Like people are strange. People are strange. Love me two times. Love her madly. Mm. They have a lot of big songs. No, I'm talking about used in a commercial sense. Like, and if you hear it in a movie, like for your instance, at the end of uh, Apocalypse Now, the end. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I'm talking like you hear. Peace Frog in was in a bunch of movies. Was it? As I sure. we just talked about yeah. that song too. It's a it's very... iconic Vietnam song. Yeah. Bleach. Um, 2007, after playing a show at the Beacon Theater in New York City, Lil Wayne is arrested when police search his tour bus and find a loaded gun. Gun laws being strict in New York and the rapper serving eight months in Rikers Island Prison. In 2016, he publishes a book about the ordeal called Gone Till November. You have to be smart when you're on tour and shit like that. Yeah. I mean... So what was that, the tour for the Carter Three? 2007? Yeah. Yeah, right. Pretty sure. I don't think the Carter Three was out while we were in high school. I think Carter Two was out. Oh seven. Oh uh, yeah, Carter Three was uh, June tenth, two thousand eight. Yeah. So yeah, wow, Carter was, Two. Yeah. Um, I'm going to use this opportunity as a vessel, not so much to talk about this, but we did not really mention this obviously in previous weeks. I forgot to revisit this. Lil Wayne, we mentioned, was touring with Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah. Did you hear what happened? Yeah, he no. walked. He off walked stage. off stage and just said, "This isn't for me." It's like, whoa, no shit, bro. He's done the tour. Yeah, and he walked off stage during a set, and it was like, how many, how deep into the tour? I don't know, dude. I think it kicked off what end of June, beginning of July. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't it been going on long it at all. A lot of shows. It was like a month or so ago was when it was announced he was doing this tour with them, and he was literally performing with them, not simultaneously. Blink One Eight Two and Lil Wayne. He was literally with them. Yeah, performing songs. Why would they do that? Exactly, and that's yeah. why when they walked it off stage, it should have just been two separate things. It should have, but even so, I mean, but he was mad that the audience, majority of the audience, wasn't there for him. And yeah. it's like, well, no shit. Well, you, exactly. well your audience doesn't give a fuck about Blink One Eighty Two, but Blink a lot of Blink One Eighty Two fans probably like Lil Wayne. Yeah, and put it this way, more Lil Wayne fans are not going to show up in the regard of being Blink-182 as your backing band. More Blink-182 fans are obviously going to show up to that. So what did you really expect? Yeah, exactly. This did, like It was just funny. I wanted to bring this up because it, it was, was a cash I was, grab gone wrong. I didn't think that this was going to happen, but like I hoped so it was going to happen. Is it, it just, just very Blink-182 or Blink-182 tour now? They're just, no, they, just I, there's no further announcements at this point to even say what they're actually doing. Uh, this but tour again, should have never happened. It shouldn't have, dude. Shouldn't have. It was Absolutely a cash not. grab. That's really all that this was. Yes. That's insane. Um, In 2008, Nine Inch Nails frontman Trent Reznor foots the bill for the band's seventh studio album, The Slip, which is released digitally on their website for free with the tag, This One's On Me. Fans wanting a physical copy, however, will have to wait to shell out their money for a limited two edition two months later. Um, That album's actually pretty good. I, li- I like that when it came out. Um, yeah. It had that song Discipline, if you remember that. Um, it was the follow up. They were on like a little bit of a roll there. They did With Teeth in two thousand five, which had a bunch really of hits. Yeah. That had the hand and that was beads really on big. It. Yeah, yeah, the hand that beads, uh every day is exactly the same. Um and one more other really big one. Uh only. And uh then they did Year Zero in 07, and then the instrumental album Ghosts, and yeah. then and then the Slip. 
like all in like the course of like three years. So that was a pretty, that was the most prolific time for Nine Inch Nails. Honestly, it was like 2005 to like 2008. Also in a sense too, where it talks about, um, it was released first as a digital release. And then it said that people actually had to wait two months until they actually got a physical copy. That really just showed you like how different music had become. Cause any other time you're waiting for an album to come out, like even prior to, you know, with us, we were like at the last generation of really enjoying buying CDs. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, mean, like I still any, buy them, but I get them all. That's used. what I'm saying. But it's like, that's the sad part is because I even so, when I used to collect CDs as well as vinyls, 90% of the music I had on CD and vinyl, I had downloaded anyway, but I liked having a physical copy. Mm-hmm. This but al- a lot this, of people don't feel that way. This Nine Inch Nails album also way. came like nine months after In Rainbows, okay, which was the first like pay what you want album. Yeah. So that was like yeah. a lot of artists were like big on like, oh, we'll just give it away for free. Yeah, and that's the sad part, man, yeah. because that was like the coolest thing is like, is also too, you got to avoid of, especially with vinyls, like song skipping, like you got to really appreciate an album. You know, it was harder to like get to the exact track you wanted to listen to and it was easier just to go through the whole album and actually enjoy it. You just naturally go deeper into the artist yeah. than an album. Yeah, exactly. Format than but that's like the ADD of today's world. I mean, if something's longer than a 30 second read, most people check out, you know what yeah. I mean? It's the yep. same thing with music. Look at now. when you it's go to a bar just... and they're playing music, they don't, they play like half of a song. Yeah. Oh, I think then... that comes out with copyright issues though, to be honest with you. It's the same thing. Like when you worked in like Kmart and shit, and they could only play so much of a song. I think oh, it comes really? to copyright issues. Yeah. That's the reason why they do that. Wow. Yeah. But even so with like, well, the... When th- during the day they just play the radio and it's like well that's obviously easier to do but with a dj they like they like it's because the i think it's just because the drinking crowd has like a short attention span they're trying to keep them entertained it's like kind of like a balance yeah, of I mean, both but that's yeah. the sad part is because with digitally streaming now you look at this like i'm sure a lot of people waited to actually buy it but then like that generation is phased out in today's standards where I, I just think of the convenience of Apple Music. It's kind of disheartening because I look at an album and like, so let's say a track's released. I download the whole album to my phone. The track will be there. The moment the album's released, it's the first thing that pops up is downloaded, even though I downloaded shit afterwards. But because it's now released, it shows up as the first thing. So it's easy for me to find it, know it came out, and listen to it. Yeah. I suppose like that excitement of like, oh, this new album just dropped. We got to go get it. And then putting it on, I remember just cracking open the fresh CD. Trying to bite open the cellophane, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, fuck yeah, let's get this open. Um, but it's a shame too because, like I said, you mean I'm sure there's a lot of people that either waited for those two months because they didn't have real digital streaming at that point in time, or even so, just actually wanted the physical copy. But that really changed like music, like ever since that has been progressively changing completely to the digital aspect. Kind of damn shame. Music news. Today in music news, we have the Foo Fighters unveiling archival live EP in a tease of Vault release. Uh, it says here, 24 years and a day after releasing their self-titled debut album on July 4th, 1955, or 1995, my bad, we're not in Back to the Future, uh, Foo Fighters have dropped a surprise live EP. The band tweeted out, a good day to look in the Foo Files. How about a few elusive live tracks? I like the forensic files. Yeah. Maybe, I think X-Files. Dave Grohl was in an X-Files episode. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, he was on a, both. The, the Foo Fighters were on both the soundtracks, I think. Or like the new X-Files? 
or like the older X Files. Really? Like Dave Grohl was on the X Files in like 1997. Wow. Dave Grohl's a huge. He's just like an extra. He's like he walks by uh, that Mulder or something in an airport. Oh, he's okay. Yeah. Um, the uh, mysteriously titled zero zero nine five zero zero two five possibly alluding to the year 1995 and 25 years since the band's formation. The EP features two rare songs from their 1995 writing festival set watershed and for all the cows. There is nothing left. The lose track next year is also included recorded at cold live at the chapel in Melbourne, Australia in 2000. 00950025 is the first series of songs to be released from the band's vault. The band also included a link to where fans can submit their favorite memories of Reading or of any Foo Fighters related hist- uh, related story, requesting messages and photos. You never know what we've got up our sleeves, they wrote, hinting at a possible live archive system in time for the band's upcoming 25th anniversary this fall. Cash grab. Yeah, we talk about Foo Fighters like from time to time. We're all I, I'm glad we're all on the same page with them. I, I this does this just doesn't appeal to me. I mean, no, because, I mean, I like Foo Fighters and all, but yeah. I feel like they're like polluting everything. They're not the type of band where I would want archive, 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 hidden, mysterious. Yeah. Like it's just there's nothing about. It. If you told me this was like a Nirvana track or something, or if you told me this was a Tupac record or some like hidden archive, you know, recordings of even Chris Cornell, or yeah. if it was like the elusive Dave Grohl playing Marigold with Foo Fighters, I'd probably pay money for. Or that. even like a recording session with Alanis and Dave Grohl during Jagged Little Pill. Yeah, that would be yeah. fucking cool. But Foo Fighters is a band. The first album's good. Color and the Shape is very good. I mean, there's a lot of great songs they released, but today's standards, Foo Fighters to me has just become so stagnant and just repetitive and there's like not in band. the good way. Yeah, they're just like they just exist yeah. and like that's all there is. Yeah, to like it I gotta anymore. see videos of Dave Grohl always in these moments of like a Keanu Reeves type figure doing all these great things for people. Yeah. It's awesome. It's cool. But like at the end of the day, dude, it's becoming repetitive. It's just yeah. it's not it's not exciting anymore. Like if you showed me one video of Dave Grohl giving out his guitar to a kid, that would be awesome. But if I gotta see fifteen videos of him giving his shoes and his socks and his t shirt, like I just don't care anymore, dude. He's They've reached like <sighs> Classic rock touring band status, kind of. Yeah. yeah. And he's content with that. Like Billy Joel in his own right. Tom constantly Petty, playing like 20, mass. Tom yeah. Petty in the yeah. 90s. Yep. Yeah. I'm not going to say Foo Fighters. Like he still did stuff. He still put out albums, yeah. but it's just to push the tours. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to say Foo Fighters should go into their greatest hits era by any means, but I mean, if they did, it probably wouldn't be a bad thing. I mean, they yeah. do, they do a good enough job to stay relevant on the radio. All their yeah. albums have songs that get played on the radio. And... That's true. But also, too, from their perspective, I mean, put yourself in Dave Grohl's shoes. I mean, honestly, if you're making money and people are still craving your shit, why wouldn't you continue? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can have enough respect for yourself, but also respect for the fans. And if people want it, you're gonna like that becomes your job at that point. I well, mean, and honestly, I'm sure he's a nice guy to have a beer with, but would, it is, yeah, it's, it's not too so. nice to charge fucking. Hundred twenty dollars for pit tickets, or not even pit tickets, lawn, for fucking lawn, lawn tickets. Yeah, yeah. It's not very oh nice. my god! Yeah, but how many times could you have Dave Grohl buy you a free beer? 
Well, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> like, we're never gonna have a fucking free. We're never gonna have a beer with Dave Roll. Yeah. We're only gonna have an opportunity to go see him from the lawn and pay far too much to yeah. do it. Dave, if you're listening, we would love for you to come on here and defend yourself. We would take free tickets as well, Dave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're not as we told Dan. Post free stuff. We will accept. Whatever, but I will say that Danzig, going back to you, bud. uh, (laughs) If it came down to it, man, you're a better front man than Dave Grohl. Sorry, Uh, Glenn Danzig for president. I don't know about all that. Yeah, I do. If Danzig's a better singer than Dave Grohl's a better songwriter, guitarist, drummer, that's fine. Um, I'm telling you right now, I would listen to the first two Danzig (laughs) albums over any Foo Fighter album. I will listen to the first two. Movie maker. Yeah, music video director. That's fine. You guys can appreciate him for all your mainstream concepts. That's exciting. I mean, well, how, but why is a ma- music video director uh, mainstream? If anything, that would be like the producer. It's not. He's talented. Good good guy, but just not my uh, my cup of tea. I think it's a convoluted uh, per, uh, perception perspective to think that. I wouldn't say it's convoluted at all. I think it's pretty were, straightforward in this regard. I think it's kind of crazy to say Danzig is a better frontman than Dave Grohl. No, nah, not my opinion. Not mine. Moving on <laughs> to an extremely good frontman, Eddie Money. He <laughs> develops pneumonia after heart surgery, and he cancels his summer tour. Um, he had a recent heart valve surgery. Um, TMZ reported that Money who has scheduled to headline a summer tour with Rick Springfield would be on the men for the rest of the year after undergoing surgery. A representative later clarified that money was hopeful to return to the stage later this year. Prior to money, money live. Did you? Yeah. Good. Was he good? I was typically what you would expect. By I was a kid. Money. I barely remember. Oh, uh, okay. He, I like he was Eddie playing money. at Disney World so actually when I was there. Um, and we like walked by. <laughs> So I didn't like go to an Eddie Money show, but he was playing at Disney World when I walked by. If I could walk, when you get better, Eddie, you will also take three tickets to Paradise, aka your show. (laughs) (laughs) Take me home tonight. Uh, It says while Money hasn't commented on either of his illness or his tour plans on social media, his representative confirmed the cancellation to Ultimate Classic Rock. In quotes. Eddie Money developed pneumonia while in the hospital after his heart valve procedure. He is now on the mend, but unfortunately he had to cancel his summer concerts, a first for him in his 40-plus year career. He needed this extra time to fully rest and recuperate. Eddie hopes to be back later this year to promote his new album, Brand New Day, and also premiere the second half of his reality show, Real Money. Money's Brand New Day was released July 19th. Can't forget about Baby Hold On either. Yeah. Talk, when yeah. talking about Eddie Money. Yeah. If you hold on to me. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame, though, because you hear about a lot of these, you know, older artists, and then they go through obvious, you know, physical health problems. And a lot of it, I guarantee you, is not just so much age, but about what they've done over the years and performing and living that lifestyle. Yeah. But, you know, there comes a point in time where you got to really ask yourself, I mean, how much more is worth it? I mean, it's really cool and inspiring to see these guys want to go out on stage regardless to just be able to, like, give to their fans what they 
literally set out to do is be that figure and have you know people come see their shows because you know from a fan's perspective i mean when an artist comes around like for instance when we can talk about like ozzy or like megadeth and these artists that mm-hmm. currently have gone through you know health issues as well when rolling they come stones. around i get excited yeah rolling stones even you know and from a fan's perspective we tend to overlook like these are human beings just as much as us you know yeah, exactly um but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we wish the guy a speedy recovery. But you know, he's like again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't knock the guy if he stopped touring. I wouldn't knock no. the guy if he just went and enjoyed his retirement years and exactly, you know, let. I mean, he's not going to produce any more music that'll ever be as iconic as what he's done, and he kind of already set the standard for himself and what he's already recorded. Yeah, Bill, I agree. What's the connection with Eddie Money and Van Halen and Montrose? Do you know? Eddie Money and his Wikipedia page, the associated acts, include Van Halen and Montrose. Well, I think Eddie Money had some ties with Montrose, which was Sammy Hagar's band, yeah, which okay. would turn into Van Halen. I forget what the... I know that there is history between Montrose and Eddie Money. Maybe they toured together, or they were friends, or something, but I do know that there there is the connection between the three. Eddie Money's Wikipedia page is actually very disappointing, uh, not very information-filled. Um, if there's any hardcore Eddie Money fans out there as well as, with uh, deeper Wikipedia information, savvy, yeah, techniques. Uh, yeah. hop on Wikipedia. Let's uh, see this Eddie Money community improved here. Yeah, so we'll take free pick, uh, pit tickets for several shows that we've already named as well as a Wikipedia-savvy individual to update uh, Eddie Money's page. A lot of requests today at Rage Against the Mainstream. However, <laughs> very simple requests at the same time. <laughs> Last thing I got here in music news is probably the prime specimens of the revival of 80s hair metal or rock the band that I'm referring to, of course, is Steel Panther, and they're releasing a new album in September. Um, the new album is titled Heavy Metal Rules. It'll be released September 27, 2019, and you can now get the first single, All I Want to Do is Fuck, in quotes, myself tonight. Now. <laughs> that, that, if you haven't listened to Steel Damn, Panther, just... Old, he, yeah. Yeah. If you like the singer, the singer in this band is older than Kurt Cobain. You gotta look, yeah, Connor. If you haven't listened to them, dude, you gotta listen to them. Steel Panthers. No, I've heard a couple songs, but I thought they were like the darkness where they were like younger, actual, like they could have been around in the 80s. They just, they just had to wait for the revival. Here's something funny about Steel Panther that not many people know Steel Panther actually was a Van Halen tribute band called the atomic punks and if you go on youtube and search it they do probably the best van halen covers on the planet yeah to the point where michael anthony has played with them live and i mean steel panther is great i mean obviously it's all meant to be funny and a joke but the the musicianship is there they're they're pretty they're pretty good songwriters for them mocking the whole 80s thing and you know, basically living the life of excess, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. They do it very well. I'm a huge fan of Steel Panther. I love Steel Panther. I don't know how you guys feel about them like that, but I will be awaiting this new album. I can't wait to hear it. Actually, I'm going to listen to the song today. Yeah, I, um, it's funny because Steel Panther, I, I, 
I always put them like out there as like being part of that like iconic 80s scene because I just heard the name, but I never really listened to them. I had a friend, Rob, actually show them to me several years ago. And he showed them to me, obviously, for what they're known for. And I just remember hearing the songs like, this is actually pretty fucking awesome. Dude. Yeah. Like, they're not a band that I would go out there to like say, like, wow, we got to listen to this band. Excellent musicianship. Like, just lyrical quality alone. It, oh it's God. it's a fun listen, man. With, you know, with Steel Panther, you know, getting their start, you know, as a cover band, then releasing videos on YouTube and, you know, releasing stuff independently, it comes to make you wonder... About our main topic. Yeah. Do you need a record label anymore? I. It definitely helps. <laughs> um, yeah, record I mean. Record labels give you money to uh, make a record with a budget and live while you're doing that. And I mean, some of them, if you have a good contract where they actually think you could make some hits and shit. But here's the thing. Like, it's, it's not saying like necessarily like what. They basically loan you money. Yeah, it's not saying so much as like what record companies do. It's the idea of like with today's standards and how people are able to record music with SoundCloud as well as like produce their stuff themselves and then put it on YouTube and literally gaining a following through views. You figure acts like Justin Bieber. I hate to bring him up, but he got found through YouTube. YouTube's not around. Um, Finding and discovering someone like him is totally different. Granted, yeah, he wind up getting a record deal, and then that's what happened to progress his fame. But there are a lot of acts that have made their way without actually needing, like, essentially a record label. I Credit mean, Van Fleet. Yeah, but even, like, when they we go... They don't have a record label? No, they do have a record label now, but when they released Highway Tune, they didn't. Uh-huh. Yeah, you have to think about, like, some of the acts, yeah, today that were able to put out music prior to the record label coming in and actually making them what they were. A lot of bigger artists have, like, abandoned the label format yeah. and gone on their own, basically. Yeah, I mean, even going back where Independent Label himself with, like, Macklemore, when he was actually still big and relevant, he did everything himself. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that, that, but that's where you also get to see the stressor on what a record label can do for you. Cause Macklemore today is nowhere near as relevant. Let's say it was like MGK when we discussed it mm-hmm. last week's, so, you know, yeah. like a lot of these record labels keep the artists relevant as well as give them, like you said, with the idea of money loaning, um, producing quality, as well as insight and opinion to have other people come in and help create a record. Which is a shame to say, because a lot of the people lose the creative ability when they also sign to a record label. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to see it with like the late 90s with like um, Nirvana was like one of the biggest things with like being heavily influenced by their record label and what they had to produce, how many singles they had to do. The replacements were the same way. They were forced into the music video for Bastard Young, you know, and things of that nature. And but going, I mean, like I said, with the idea of like needing a record label, it's not so much that you need it. It's so much that if you want to actually become a larger in life famous to the idea of where you're selling out stadiums and venues, um, the record label is definitely going to give you that much more of an opportunity. Yeah. But um, I yeah. also feel like if, um, you know, let's say we start a band right now, we have a song that's, you know, good. We recorded ourselves here. Like, you see it now. Like, we're doing this podcast with the equipment we have. Ten years ago, normal people couldn't own this kind of shit and get the quality recordings that we are able to do with, eh, you know. In 2009, you don't think this would have been that doable? Not for as cheap as it was. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like uh, let's put into instance, like, when Corbin first started recording and doing bands, like, he spent thousands upon thousands of dollars 
to have all the shit that he does. Uh huh. I literally just did this whole podcast, dude, for under three hundred dollars, like mm-hmm. including the interface. Like it's it just gets to a point where you don't need a record label to hook you up with a studio anymore to get studio time because chances are nine times out of 10, you have a buddy or a cousin of a friend or whatever that does recordings and can do it relatively cheap. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, that's really all a record label is going to do in the beginning is get your foot in the door to be able to do stuff like that. And, you know, with, you know, uh, uh, with a recording that's done cheap enough, you can put it online by yourself via SoundCloud or Facebook, Reverb Nation. And, you know, if it's good enough, you're able to get a following on your own. Well, yeah. So you can record on your own and physical sales aren't what they used to be. Yeah, exactly. So you can easily get your music on the Internet to be exactly. purchasable. And, you know, you put it on like your own YouTube page and that shit starts getting monetized after a while. And you mm-hmm. can start making substantial money from I'll there. just people watching on youtube exactly yeah and then you know eventually you can get to the point where you're submitting your own music on itunes so you don't even need a record label for that anymore i mm-hmm. mean we saw how easy it was to get this podcast on although apple. itunes isn't going to be anything soon yeah but i mean apple music you're not going to be able to buy songs though right like that whole no no, no. just the the, the physical form of itunes is going to be gone but you're going to have apple music You'll be able to like listen to whatever you want, but you won't be able to like buy it. Exactly. Yeah. It'll, it'll, I think it's gonna be more of a streaming thing, like like yeah. the iTunes on your computers, like like obsolete at this point. Like you're still gonna yeah. have it, but it's obsolete, and you don't need it. To, I thought order. they weren't even gonna have the music library anymore on the new computers. If you have it already, yeah, like you're set. Mm-hmm. But that you know, it just goes along to what I'm saying you could do all this stuff by yourself and you can put your own songs on Spotify. You could put your own stuff on Apple music. You know, you technically don't need a record label to do this for you anymore. So when you mentioned about, um, being uploading music towards certain sites, you mentioned Spotify and it's funny because Spotify being one of those bigger ones that obviously gets compared and like even like hailed as better than like Apple music, for instance, you talk about other programs like SoundCloud and things of that nature. Spotify actually released back on July 1st. Um, it's actually shutting down its direct upload program, which allowed artists to upload music streaming service uh, to the streaming service without getting a third party involved. Oh, so it even shit. comes out to say that Spotify's direct upload beta was launched last September. It allowed independent artists to upload to the streaming service. So essentially write your own music, you put it on there, and it allows you to reach a fan base that you couldn't do on your own. Now, with the shutdown, it says indie artists will have to resume using services provided by companies such as TuneCore and DistroKid. You actually need a third-party consensus. Okay, I'm familiar with DistroKid. Yeah. Um, You you can put... It's almost like a SoundCloud type thing, but you have to pay for this. And it basically gives you like like what we have, like an RSS feed. Exactly. And you can put your feed onto Spotify. I mean, so technically... A record label could take the place of that, but if you wanted to go strictly do it yourself and independent, you would just need to get that distro kid thing. So then, yeah, that's where it kind of comes in comparison to say it's almost better like with the DIY aspect as opposed to like the mainstream label. Mainstream label is obviously going to get you further, but DIY will completely allow you to keep all creativity and allow you to do whatever you want to do when you want to do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like when you say like the free, I mean the Spotify thing is, it's crazy because I'm sure there's a lot of people on there that didn't want to commit to actually, you know, paying for a service such as SoundCloud or anything of that nature. Now having to go through these third parties to make sure somebody's kind of getting their end. 
And yeah. it's a shame that it comes down to that because music is such a freeing art, and obviously at some point someone has to capitalize off it. It's just that's how the record industry has been, how it's been for years at this point. Um, but with the Spotify thing, I mean, that's a big deal because that streaming service alone, I mean, that's the difference between re- reaching 10 people and 10,000 people. Yeah, exactly. You know? But I, I also feel like YouTube is probably one of the bigger ones. Yeah, YouTube is definitely... I mean, if you, know. you upload a video and you ta- tag the right things in it, you can appeal to more people. And also, if you throw money into YouTube, you could be put on the top parts of like the search list and stuff. Yep. And like recommended for this week and stuff like that. I mean, at the end of the day, it all comes down to money and it's all about who wants to put it out or who wants to put the money forth to do it. It's crazy too because with YouTube though, a little, it's a little different in the sense when you're uploading to Spotify, the people you're appealing to at that present moment are pretty much strictly music listeners. Yeah. I mean, so when you go on a YouTube site, you could have somebody, because you see negative reviews on things all the time that don't even have to be there. It's somebody that obviously didn't like the band prior, but they just want to troll through the internet. Yeah, exactly. So you have to figure about... You know, for instance, my niece and nephews are on YouTube all the time. My sister's mm-hmm. on YouTube all the time, but most of them ain't watching music videos and listening to the next new artist. You know, yeah. so it's about your demographic. You go on a YouTube site, you're going to have people that are probably going to just shit post your stuff regardless because they just feel like it and they can. And that's the benefits of the Internet in certain regards. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the Spotify thing, when you're uploading to that network, I mean, you're just appealing to a music-friendly base. And that's what the difference is with YouTube and Spotify, especially if you're trying to be an up-and-coming musician. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's going to start... You're going to start seeing that more and more. I mean, obviously, with the free uploading and all that stuff, because at the end of the day, a lot of people are trying to avoid the record company aspect of it. Again, you're going to lose a lot of the perks, but to do the DIY concept makes it easier, makes it cheaper. You you know, obviously, you don't have to sign to so much, and it becomes... Like, you know how hard it is probably for so many bands back in the day to actually get noticed? I mean, you talk about, like, in the 90s. I mean, how many bands do we know of that probably flew under the radar that never existed had it not been for a record label? Exactly. Um, But I also... You have have to take into consideration, too, like, like in the whole punk movement. Yeah. Like, you look at, like, Black Flag and stuff. Like, they started SST Records. Yeah. And, you know, they were their own label. You know, and they were basically doing what we're talking about now, but they were doing it back then in a much less advanced time but then that's the sad part too because with the punk movement it takes a special breed of people to really appreciate that genre because they never really made it in that sense i mean henry rollins band did but there you go i mean that was already a well-established act with a label behind yeah it. but what about like bad um, brains and the misfits and fugazi yeah but, he, but like again well, we yeah, talk about like those artists, bands years yeah. yeah that's what i'm saying but we mm-hmm. talk about like fugazi and you know with ian uh mckay doing minor threat i mean those bands especially the DIY bands that never broke through to a mainstream label, you see what happened. To listen to those bands, again, your typical, we'll go back to it, Foo Fighters fan, probably mm-hmm. isn't listening to Eye Against Eye or the first Bad Brains record. No, probably You know, not. your typical one. I mean, obviously, knowing the Foo Fighters, appreciating some of their work, I love the Bad Brains, but it took a lot more to find out about that as opposed to seeing like ads on Nuclear Blast or, um, you know any type of mainstream label for that genre of like extreme metal or punk or anything like that. I mean, look at rise against rise against huge mainstream label, but that's considered punk rock green day. That's considered punk rock. And that's what more people are accustomed to because of the mainstream aspect of the labels that back them. Yeah, that's true. That's the sad part. But like I said, like going back into going back into like technology and whatever, like we all have iPhones. We basically have portable 
recording studios on our phones. We have portable movie studios on our phones. Like, pretty much anyone that has an iPhone that's, like, newer than a 6 is loaded with GarageBand. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, everyone... I my 5C at GarageBand on it, Your too. 5C at GarageBand? I think so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things to where it's just... It's almost like it's too easy yeah. to do it yourself. But that's the epitome of current technology in this world. You're losing the real hard-earned efforts of some of these artists from their earlier days that had nothing like this to be able to do something like this. But that's also, too, it's watering down the quality of music. But also, you think, too, back then, people were making so much money by signing to major labels because record sales were so high. I mean, yeah, yeah. Motown kind of did this. Yeah. You know, they set yeah. up shop in a basement originally and fucking just started cranking out records with, you know, the bare necessities of equipment. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, but they were helped by the fact that it was really easy to make money off records back then. Yeah. Because if you had a, a press or a deal to get shit pressed, then it, yeah, it was a major like plus. Market, if you yeah. had the music and you owned it and it was good and it would sell, yeah. you were you were set. I mean, yeah. literally, besides the money aspect, I don't see where having a major label to support your music is actually worth anything anymore because... You get your shit all tied up in litigation with them. Exactly. Yeah. And at yeah. the end of the day, you know, like I said before, we, for instance, we start a band, we put our music out online, we own it. No one else owns our shit but us. You know? Yeah, it's true. It's you know, at, true. at the end of the day, we have total artistic control over whatever we want to do. We control what we put out, when we put it out. <clears throat> yeah, I think no too, one that can tell us otherwise. It's a shame because the record company industry has become so predominant that it's so much harder for these, you know, up and coming DIY artists to be able to do their own thing because they almost get snuffed out and don't get the, uh, you know, the the release ability that some of these major labels are able to bring. I mean, I see some bands released on major labels that are garbage, dude. But it's they're there and they're in your face because of the marketing, because everything that exactly. these labels can provide for them. And it's sad because, you know, you think about some of these artists where back in the day when you mentioned even Motown, I mean, the ability to try to form that today, there's already an established market that's so hard to like go against the grain. But again, with the quality of technology and everything that's going on, people are starting to realize that and understanding like how much more trouble a label actually brings you. The money yeah. looks good. You know, the uh, having the event producers. Yeah, the advances. You know, you we'll get a really cool. Back, we'll get yeah, you exactly. a band. Band. Yeah, because everybody sees these artists that are from Mabel, uh, major labels, especially rappers, when they're on there with their chains and their cars. None of that shit is theirs. Yeah, not they don't it. Know none and of that's it. that's literally there for the aesthetic, and it's also too that just goes to show you when you hear about some of these artists being million dollars in debt, lies, ruin, lawsuits. It's because of the major label. That's what it stems from. Actually, I completely forgot to bring it up. You know, another huge, huge person right now that got found on the internet by their own Post Malone. Yeah, true. Post Malone's one hundred percent self-made. And, like, I know the details a little bit on Nirvana signing. So, mm -hmm. I think for Nevermind, they got, like, $270,000 as an advance. Uh, and they spent, like, one hundred and sixty on recording Nevermind. So, yeah. like, they got, like, basically, like, $33,000 each or thirty-five to uh to live for a year or two mm -hmm. and eat, you know, and, yeah. and make this yeah. album. Like, that's that's not that... Because back then it cost that kind of money to make an album that would hopefully make you three hundred thousand dollars back. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's mean, like you take a gamble. You're not really you take, understanding. Yeah, well, it's kind of a gamble. Yeah, exactly, because you don't know how much money this is actually going to make, back. and we're going to say, like, hey, this is worth it right now because if it flops, we're, we got this. But at the same exact time, like, look what Nevermind wound up doing. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's just... And, you know, like, I feel like with the way social, like, the social network and stuff is now, you know, social media, networking. You can become your own marketing exactly. network. Exactly. Yep. You you can do all of this yourself. You technically don't need Geffen anymore. You don't need Universal Music Group anymore. You don't yep. need Def Jam. You don't need none of this shit. You You're can literally your paying label. for the convenience at the end of the day. Exactly. That's what these record labels are able to provide for you. Give you a level of convenience and a level of immediate opportunity. Entry it's the same into shit. a network. Yeah, it's the same exactly. shit. Like when you get to see, and we'll talk about Facebook with the idea of like spend this much money to boost your post. We see that all the time. And then you also get to see the numbers in organic as well as paid. That's essentially what happens with a record company. These people are there to able to provide you something that you couldn't do yourself at the moment. Yes. You know, and some people don't like it's almost like, you you know, the selling your soul concept. The most of these people are so young and naive and excited at the money being thrown in their face immediately that they forget of what could potentially happen later. You know, and a lot of these people don't have a strong enough like, you know, litigator to be able to sit there and review contracts and everything else. And then. Yeah, exactly. Happens, you know? And at the end of the day, that's really all that they bring to the table is they have the opportunity to put you with the best of the best. And. Not for nothing, if you are driven enough to do it, you can look all this shit up online yep. yourself and you could be, you know, like an expert in this over a weekend if you want. Yeah. I mean, it's not really, uh, to me, I don't feel like it's like a necessity to have a record label backing you anymore at all. So general consensus for me, I'll say it's, I don't think it's necessary I wouldn't even say that it's even the best route at this point if you want to be able to be a, an honest musician. But the only thing I will say is a record company just comes with convenience with the price of serious consequences. So, yeah, I'll say that you can do it without a record label. It'll be that much harder. But again, you'll probably be saving yourself a lot more if you do make it. So it's how quickly do you want to make it and how much more of a risk do you want to take to be able to become famous? Look exactly. at Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure Wu-Tang had a, a label at first. Like a small label, I don't know if it was a major label, but then RZA, RZA, just fucking started producing all their solo albums yep. in his fucking basement. Yeah. Look at Dr. Dre. Yeah. Set Look up. at the way Ruthless Records was. Yeah. You know. Yeah. How? What do you feel, Connor? Do you feel like it's? Do you, th- do you feel like you need a label anymore? No, but I do think it helps. Yeah, yeah. with the convenience. Yeah, it's convenience at the end of the day. I just feel like the. The pros outweigh the cons in this situation. Like, you know, let's say you do have a song that has the potential to be a number one and becomes a number one. At the end of the day, what that number one generates is in your pocket. You don't have to split it with, you know, Mr. Fucking Big Shot behind a desk, and, you know. Yeah, but and again, that's where because the odds of your no- song becoming a number one exactly is that much greater with a label. That's it at the end of the day. Yeah. That's just really I feel what like, it is. However, though, if you had a high limited, risk, high reward is the way I'll put it. Yeah. But I feel like if you had enough resources and money to throw into social media and marketing yourself and whatever, you you could do this 100 percent on yourself and probably receive greater rewards because at the end of the day, you own your own music. Yep. All right. Well, that wraps that one up uh, last week. The moment you've all been waiting for. We are reviewing some kind of monster. For those of you who haven't seen it, 
which you should have. <laughs> uh, Some Kind of Monster is the documentary directed by Joe Berlinger and Bruce Sanofsky. It is the three, I think it's three and a half year span between the writing and release of the Metallica album, St. Anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Anger, in our opinion, our general consensus is probably the worst Metallica album, if not one of the worst albums ever made. I'll say just not so much the worst. I, I'm pretty sure I can find a handful of albums way worse, but just for the level of standard Metallica has set. Yeah, yeah it just was, doesn't reach um, it. Yeah, this was found. This was like finding a turd near Cheerios. You know, you just put the sugar on there. You just made a nice bowl of Cheerios. You're scooping around. You're starving. There's the turd nugget. There's frantic, frantic, frantic. That is some kind of monster. With you, Um, for all of you who haven't been listening as well, Metallica has become kind of the butt joke of this thing. Not so much in making fun of them, but of them being constantly mentioned on this show. this documentary, the best way I can put it for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's kind of like half recording um, with a little splice of uh, James Hetfield's personal issues as well as a therapy session with the members of Metallica literally sitting in a therapy setting, like being like going through therapy. Yeah, I mean, you're literally I, getting a live look of like a counseling session with a band and a therapist. The only positive thing I could say about this movie is, is that it puts them it puts metallica in a situation to where you can see that they are a, like legitimate human beings dealing with human problems but i mean if i had fucking metallica money i probably wouldn't be crying about how i treated dave mustaine in the early 1980s yeah I it's mean, just i don't know it it it, it makes metallica seem more human because they, you know, were like the indestructible band and yeah. they were the baddest dudes on the planet. And I, Yeah, I was going to say documentary-wise, it's chronic, chronicology. It's the chronicle of this documentary is uh, very well put in the sense you get to see the span of the recording exactly what was happening. Now, here's the thing. Had St. Anger been an amazing album, watching this would be a totally different story. But because the album yes. that was produced in this midst of turmoil was so much more garbage than the uh, documentary itself, it just makes it that much worse. A. B, the other thing I'm going to say is, is like a lot of the shit that was shown in there just didn't need to be shown. I'm sure. And like, Metallica kind of became the martyr of this. I'm sure a lot of artists that were hailed as like these outlandish, against the grain, you know, anti-establishment, just thrash 80s, heavy ass dudes back in the day. You get to see him like you see literally Lars like talking about his paintings and this nice house. You get to see Kirk Hammett on a ranch with some horses. I mean, James comes back after this fucking vacation in Siberia showing off all these pictures. Mm. And I mean, you get to see like these guys are like, they're, they're living the lifestyle of what you would think these guys with this type of money are living. Yeah, exactly. And and for me, I'm sure there's a lot of artists that we have a vision of, and this kind of crippled that vision in a sense. Um, the only thing I will say is like, yeah, the Dave Mustaine thing was really good in seeing that because, I mean, it was annoying too as well because it took him 20 years to come to this resolution of being able to confront and discuss and almost apologize to Dave and be able to kind of reminisce with him and things of that nature. Um the only other thing I'll say is, I mean, regardless of what you think of this film, it being, you know, me as a huge Metallica fan, I didn't like it just for the sake of how they were portrayed. However, 
this film is not, if you're a Supreme fan, like if you really enjoy those first four albums, it's not going to kill your entire image of them. I mean, no, had this been another no, band, it may have like really tarnished it. But those first four albums, and Connor, I was going to tell you this about it, like in saying like it really hurts Metallica's image and them crying and stuff. Those first four albums, the way they were made, the way they were put and everything of that, they're just, they could do no wrong at that point. I'll never be able to say Metallica's overrated. They suck. They're lame. Those first four albums, you can't. I don't know any band that's ever released four albums of that magnitude. Not, not only influential sake, but just pure quality. Musicianship, everything about it. Led Zeppelin? Here's the thing. In my opinion, track by track, I can listen to every Metallica album, first four, front to back, entirety. Yeah. Can you do that with Led Zeppelin? No. Not what all album, four. What album is not all the way listenable? All the way listenable? Led Zeppelin 4. What? Yeah, I can't listen to 4 all the way through. What's There's on? even a couple tracks on 1 that I'll skip. Because seriously, like, I can't I think see, of I highlight tracks from certain albums. Like, I can... Albums. Huh? I skip a bunch of tracks on the first four. Yeah, and that's personal opinion. You can say that absolutely. But for the 80s in that moment, just as influential, that band itself... But here's the thing about Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin didn't go turn around and put out something like St. Anger. And had they done that, those first four albums still wouldn't have been able to be tarnishing their entire career. Yeah, uh, I agree That's what that. I'm getting at. I'm not trying to debate that Metallica no, is yeah, saying yeah. that they're the be-all, end-all with the first four album concept, but I'm saying if Led Zeppelin turned around and released an album like St. Anger, it would have been the same thing as Metallica. I don't think their whole career would have been tarnished and forgotten about those first four albums. Like St. Anger, Some Kind of Monster, and even everything that came after it never put me in a position that Metallica sucks. I can't say Metallica sucks. No. What I what I feel like is that I mean obviously obviously this movie was strictly supposed to be just the making of that album and it turned into something way bigger that they weren't even sure was going to even work it's by the time it was set. The movie does kind of save them from some necessary credit like some the overkill of like necessary criticism for saying anger because you can see that when they were making this album they were out of the fucking minds yeah completely out of touch with everything dude it, yep. yeah it is you know really funny I mean? and it's it's funny when it leads up it to at least it shows you like yeah. all right this is why this album was so bad yeah because exactly they were out of their fucking but it's shit funny because even completely. like lars ulrich's dad was there and like he was like showing him songs off the album and lars's dad was just like i don't like this yeah, he's got I a Danish accent, <laughs> dude, and he just pretty much told Lars in a room full of people that this is garbage. Meanwhile, Lars is like, well, that's weird because we're being told that this should open the album. And Lars' dad is still like, oh, I, no. No, I didn't it's, I like it's, this. It's bad. <laughs> so his dad told him His right dad told him it was trash. He showed him like a bait. going to be good. Yeah, his dad, he brought his dad to the studio. Lars played him a clip of, I forget which song. It was and, an intro of one of the songs. Yeah, and Lars' dad straight up said in front of these people, like, no, but, like made no qualms about it. I was like, dude, this sucks. In layman's terms, is literally what he said to did Lars. Did they end up keeping the song? I think so. I think they did, actually. Because yeah, they their were manager being, told them they were, that it should, open. it should open the album. Frantic? It's not from Frantic, though. I think they may have kept it and changed it, but it's... Uh, it's like it's a garbage. goofy like intro like it's, with noises and shit. Put it this way, man. If I didn't know anything about Metallica, I would have put this band, just hearing this alone, I would have put them in the same category as Creed and Nickelback. The riffs they were writing... His Shit. fucking vocal style, the Creed pattern. And Nickelback wouldn't even put out fucking Saint Anger. This was yeah, dude. It was it Get was brutal. And like I said, <laughs> documentary wise, it shot well. 
it's it's just a well done documentary. But what it's about, that's what I'm saying. Like the it reviews, has the name attached yeah, to the it. reviews itself, I can understand why. And also, too, it gives you a look at Metallica that you wouldn't have seen anywhere else. Yeah, um, you could the have an idea. Anger won a Grammy for best metal performance. Yeah, and Jethro Tull also won a Grammy over Metallica. This yeah. is honestly worse than that. What? This is like a Saint Anger winning that is more of an atrocity than Metallica losing losing that. to Jethro Tull. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because Jethro Tull has a different fan base, almost correlated. It's the same but... exact thing, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just them favoring an established artist too much. You know what? Yeah. We're gonna have to do this after this segment, but I would like to go see what was, like, what else was out at 2007 that can be compared to. 2007. Yeah. I'm trying to. No, yeah, it was like. 2004 was the well, year they won. When did it win? It beat Corn, Did My Time, Marilyn Manson, Mob Scene, Spine Shank, Smothered, and Stone Sour Inhale. Hmm. So Stone like, Sour well, this is them. just this just shows you right here that the Grammys are a bunch of horseshit because all those songs suck. All of them. I, I've never. I don't know. I don't remember the Corn song and the Marilyn Manson song. I don't know. I don't even know any of these songs, but. These are not like, I'm sure there was better metal that year somewhere, somehow, than these songs from Metallica, Corn, Marilyn Manson, Spine Shank, and Stone Sour. <laughs> All right. Well, Stone, I mean, uh, yeah, Stone Sour. Stain <laughs> Anger aside, uh, on a scale from one to 10, what would you give this movie? Completely fuck St. Anger. St. Anger's not Just even, the movie alone. Just the movie alone. I mean, we like to keep this, you know. Five like, out right, of this ten. Is the, no, five I'm not even going to give it a five out of ten. I'm going to give it a four, but this is the so only not reason. worth watching? No. No, not worth watching at all because I could have lived my whole life being yeah, a Metallica right. fan and this would have done nothing for me because it didn't even hurt my opinion <laughs> or even gain my... This was literally like, if you got two hours and 21 minutes of your life that you absolutely don't need, like you need to get rid of two hours and 21 minutes of your life, this is the basic way to do it because it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to make you feel any better. It's not going to make you feel horribly worse. It's just, it, it's not worth a watch. But if you wind up watching it, I mean, it's not going to do much to you. But a four, and the only reason I'm giving it a four is because of the old scenes where you get to see Metallica performing in the early 80s with Mustaine as well as Newstead and even yeah. like after the Black Album, like, you know, performances that you get to see. All the old raw footage you get to see mm-hmm. in brief moments. I think it's like, 10 minutes compilated of footage in general, but that's what the best part about it. I mean, with the human factor and everything and like, you know, like you see that these are real ass people dealing with real problems Mm. and whatever. I mean, granted their situation is a little bit more cushy than ours. Um, I mean, I'll have to give this movie a five and a half. I mean, just, just for the fact that it was a well shot movie and, given what they were yeah receiving what they were given by those people by metallica and their management whatever they did the best with what they had yeah and it you know i can't say nothing bad about the directors nothing like that i mean they did go off to uh make that new ted bundy movie uh the zach efron one yep yeah that wasn't even all that great either it was good but it wasn't anything like i thought not the good old subject, but we also just want to touch briefly before we wrap up this segment and saying that we didn't really mention the Bob Rock aspect of it and him uh. playing bass on the album. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about 
Yeah, that was a really fucked up twist for them. He and it's I was explaining this to Bill on the way over and saying like he was like the voice of reason, but was like the wrong reason. They were all in yeah. turmoil and Bob Rock was the most level headed one and kinda like insidiously like put himself on that album. I mean, he took advantage of the opportunity that they didn't know what the fuck was going on. They just lost Newstead. Here they are trying to record an album. Dave or not Dave, James goes like MIA for a period of time with, you know, his personal issues and there's yeah. Bob Rock. He's the unofficial fifth member of Metallica. Unbelievable. But the fifth metal. <laughs> you've you've heard it here. The fifth uh, metallic. Yeah, we got an average rating of four point eight, by the way. Yeah, so four point eight out of ten, forty eight percent. I mean, our score is way lower than everyone else. Um Roger Ebert gave it a three out of four. Rotten Tomatoes gave it eighty nine percent. The audience score gave it an eighty three percent. We are purists representing the hard line. See, we are raging at the mainstream here because we said this movie sucks and we called it as it is. Saint Anger sucks. And ironically, mentioning Metallica almost in every single segment, you have to understand it's not even biased to be like, "Whoa, Saint Anger was awesome. The album's so great. Some kind of monster. Check it out because Metallica's in it." No, like we know where to draw the line. All roads have led to this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the reviews, let's see, uh, Destin Thompson from the Washington Post said serious, funny, frustrating, and touching. Uh, Jamie Russell from BBC says, whether you know everything or nothing about Metallica, it will rock you. Fuck you, Jamie. Yeah, that, that's just a cliche statement. This will rock you. She's from BBC. I mean, she's not. Fans yeah. of the band will love the revealing footage, especially landmark moments such as bassist auditions. And encounters with the ex-Metallica members. Like, this shit's just, like, gushing. Probably wouldn't recommend to watch some kind of monster again. Like I said, if you got two hours and 21 minutes of your time, you just don't know what to do with yourself. I, I guess. All right. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't watch it again. Yeah, I wouldn't you, even. You heard it here on Rage Against the Mainstream. Don't watch it. All right, Connor, what do you have for your personal suggestion this week? I'm taking the Melvin's 1996 album, Stag. Nice. You should listen to uh, Black Block if you want a... Uh... That's your highlight track? Yeah. Have you heard it? Yeah. It's a great... That whole album's really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's that's probably my favorite Melvin's album, honestly. Yeah. What, um, what do you got, Steven? Yeah, my uh, recommendation for this week is the 1982 album by The Descendants. It's called Milo Goes to College. It's their first full-length album. Um, punk, probably the first punk album I think I've recommended, which is ironic. It's like one of my genres of choice. Um, the highlight track, I will say, I mean, just you can start off like I, I was going to say I'm not a loser of track three, but I'll start just track one, just the way it starts. My age, it's an excellent song, the way it starts front to back. It's a 22-minute album. I love punk. It's quick listens and it's all good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my recommendation of the week. Nice. William. This week, I'm taking a total left turn from all of my previous recommendations. Um, the album in question is the 1997 debut album from Australian pop duo Savage Garden. The song of choice is Tears of Pearls. Let's see how I'm called. This is a self-titled yeah. Savage Garden. Um, I feel like people hear like truly madly deeply and like I knew I loved you and stuff, but Savage Garden has way better songs than the ones mm -hmm. you would hear on the radio. I mean, I mean, I can't be wrong. I mean, it was the... Who do you like better, uh, Savage Garden or Soundgarden? 
I like the sounds by the one garden as opposed to the savagery of the other garden. Like yeah, one is, garden, yeah. You know, it is kind of funny that they're savage garden and there's not really it's much savageness about yeah, it. Yeah, it really should have been the other way around with yeah. the band name. Soundgarden should have thought of Savage Garden. It's like Greenland and Iceland. You know yeah. I mean? You go to Greenland <laughs> for the uh, mountains. That's hilarious. Snow. Yeah, it's super ironic. But um, yeah, Savage Garden, debut so, album, Tears of Pearls is my song. I mean... If you're a fan of 90s pop or, you know, even just something off the beaten path, this is the album for you. That you album was huge, though. It was, it was the highest selling album, 1998, sold 12 million copies in its first year. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like, Savage Garden was fucking huge for a little while. And then the band broke up. Well, it was two main guys, and they split ties, and they've been asked on multiple interviews if they will ever you know, reconcile their differences and get back together. And uh, uh, Darren, the singer, he uh, says when they find a cure for cancer, Savage Garden will get back together. So I don't see that happening anytime soon. I guess not. I mean, Maybe. I'd pay $80 to go see that shit. I'd what? pay $80 for the lawn. 80 bucks for the lawn dude, for I, Savage Garden. But dude. you wouldn't spend $20 to go see the doors in their prime. Nope. Anyways, our group suggestion this week... Our, our our Netflix movie suggestion is the documentary Oasis Supersonic, available on Netflix. I hope Blur makes a movie. I would watch that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if you guys, uh, I mean, I'm sure everybody knows the song like Wonderwall and like Champagne Supernova, but if you don't know the story of like Oasis, I mean, I haven't actually seen this yet. I'm actually hoping it's like... Yeah, you know, I know basically what happened between them and like why they split and things of that nature. Well, I but mean, besides some kind of monster, we've had some pretty good movies that we've seen recently. And some that were not so good. I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of Devil at the Crossroads, to be honest Quincy with you. Quincy was fire. Quincy yeah. was excellent. Absolutely. Amy. Great. Amy, I loved Amy. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Hopefully this is excellent. I'm planning on checking this out as soon as we're done here, actually. Oasis Supersonic available on Netflix. I feel like we should start getting like sponsorship from Netflix. <laughs> Serious. So here's more requests. Netflix here. doesn't Rage have against the, money the mainstream. <laughs> Not only do we want free tickets to Danzig, the Foo Fighters, as well as a Wikipedia savvy individual to update Eddie Money's page. Like, Netflix. We've been doing this shit hey. for like three or four months, and we're not getting shit. You goddamn it! <laughs> How dare we spend our weekend sitting in a basement here at uh, in beautiful what? Where are we? Glassboro, yeah, New Jersey. Yeah. yeah, okay. Being from Camden County, different. But yeah, we're in a beautiful basement here in Glassboro, New Jersey, and Netflix ain't doing nothing for us. We recommend their movies. Well, we fuck draw me, people right? to their site every <laughs> week. Yeah. Every yeah. Monday, we draw crowds. We at least attribute to 0.05% of your views. Shit, 0.05. More like fucking 0.00005. Statistically unproven. <laughs> we can't confirm or deny these facts. Either way, hey, we Netflix, probably have though. like 300 total views, and YouTube probably has, or whoever the fuck probably Netflix. has. Like, Netflix probably has. Like Netflix is worst video of all time. Million people. Yeah, there's probably it like some obscure B-rated horror film that Devil you have the to crossroads. like. Yeah, you have to literally type in by accident to find on Netflix, and it probably has more views and listens than this podcast. Like, if you type in the letter Z6, something will pop up from like 1934, and it's got like just enough views to out to us. Super ironic. That's the way she fucking goes, man. God damn it. Hey, Netflix, though, help us out, bud. Yeah, but see, we're completely self-made. We don't have a label. 
Yeah, we don't have to worry about that shit. Wouldn't you want to be sponsored by a local podcast here in New Jersey? Come on down to Rage Against the Mainstream Podcast. Netflix, we're talking to you. <laughs> All right, guys, well, that about wraps it up for this week. Um, this is Rage Against the Mainstream signing off. Once again, thank you all for listening. We're going to keep doing this every week. Regardless of our viewer content yeah, or I how mean, much we can of whether any of you guys actually listen to this or even care, we're still going to do it. Um, like I said, this is Rage Against the Mainstream signing off. I'm Bill. Connor. Steve. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for listening.